Hello there. Going through a divorce? Considering one? Sorry to hear that. But here you are. Welcome to Splitsville. You'll find Splitsville to be a pretty unique place. A new world, really, with its own rules, its own expectations, and in many ways, its own language. But don't worry. You have a knowledgeable guide along the way. A family law attorney with three decades of experience under her belt. And now, here she is, your host and guide, Lee Sellers. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Welcome to Splitsville. I'm your host and guide, Lee Sellers, founder of Touchstone Family Law. In this episode, we're going to be discussing Soberlink, a modern tool that helps parents struggling with alcohol abuse stay involved in their children's lives. So let's dive in. So today we are here with Chris Beck, who works with Soberlink. And I'm thrilled to have Chris here today because I felt like I was an early adopter of this product as soon as I learned about it. And I've just been so pleased with the services that this product has been able to provide to my clients or their cases if it's not for my clients. And so I'm just so pleased that you were able to take time and come speak with us today. Well, thank you for having me. And I appreciate your advocacy for Soberlink. You know, we've come a long ways in a short time because of influencers like yourself. Well, just as a brief background, North Carolina passed a a statute in about 2013 that allowed family court judges for the first time to order some sort of an alcohol monitoring system in a custody case, and it was new. And I happened to have a case at that time that was really difficult that involved a very young parent with an alcohol problem who had had several opportunities to go to facilities and and various things, but had a very young child. And at the same time the marriage was breaking up, she relapsed. And it was a pretty bad relapse. And not that any of them are good, but in her case, it was was very impactful for her life and her children. And at that point, they didn't have a lot of options to try to keep children safe if you had a parent who was in an active relapse. And they often ordered supervised visitation, which was very strained for the parent and the child. And in that particular case, that's what we had. We had a temporary order where one parent was being monitored by the other parent, which is never pleasant, and young child. And it was just very unfortunate, and it wasn't working well. And I jumped, and the first one that we did was the ankle bracelet the alcohol monitoring ankle bracelet like you use in criminal court. And the young mother was not able to shower, was not able to go in a swimming pool with her child, couldn't take a bath, looked like an escaped parolee and needed to go into the workplace. And while she was willing to do anything to spend time with her child, it was very much impairing her ability to really function. And I just got online and I was just looking for every other option. And then this sober link came up and we read about it and it looked like it would help. And fortunately for us, the opposing counsel also agreed to give it a try. And so we were able to modify the court order to make this happen. And without a doubt, this device saved her life. I think it kept her sober 
it saved her relationship with her child. And I will be going to her baby shower in two weeks as wow, she has her story. second child with her, you know, current husband. But it had such an impact on that case and that life that it just really taught me what this device could do. And I've had an opportunity to use it in many more cases. And so I think it's important for parents to know about this and for the general public to know about this device because I think it truly is an amazing tool for people who are struggling with alcohol addiction. Well, thank you. We appreciate those words. Stories like that are things we love to highlight on our website. We have a special section of our website um, called Sober Stories. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly what you just explained. It's stories about uh, mothers and fathers getting their children back in their lives and mm -hmm. understanding that there is a tool out there that can empower me to prove my sobriety, hold me accountable, and be an active part of my child's life. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's it's been fantastic. So for people that don't have the years of experience that I have with this product or the years of experience you have with this product, explain what, sober, what this device is and what it can do. Yeah, so Soberlink is really cons, um, consists of three key technologies. It's um, first off, it tests your BAC through a technology used similar to roadside breathalyzers where we use a fuel cell technology. But we've kind of modernized that technology and incorporated a ca digital camera in there that uses facial recognition software to actually confirm the identity of the person. And then lastly, we use a way to remotely communicate those results to all the concerned parties that are involved in the monitoring agreement. So with this modern tool, you can now self-administer a test and have many people aware of exactly what's happening. So if you do test positive, then the concerned parties can then react appropriately or you're proving your sobriety, you're proving your accountability to your sobriety and earning that trust back in that relationship. So, you know, when we at Soberlink think about this tool, we really believe it's an empowerment tool to go on with life and get back on that right path. So on your website, sure. which is soberlink.com, I think it's not complicated, right? Not complicated right. at all. There are photos and videos and people can sort of see the size of the device. But we're talking right. about a relatively discreet handheld device. Yeah, we're really excited about this uh, fifth generation device. It's called Connect. The name speaks for itself. It connects you to your, we want to call it recovery circle, or the friends and family members that you're trying to earn that trust back with. But uh, yeah, now it's actually pocket size, fit in your pocket, very discreet. You know, you were mentioning an ankle bracelet. I think uh, Lindsay Lohan might have made that popular by mm -hmm. bedazzling it once upon a time. But mm -hmm. they're very gaudy. They're very um, criminal and penal, you know, looking and restrictive. Mm -hmm. But with something like Soberlink, it's designed to be discreet. It's designed to take those tests when your children are not around Ideally, your children never know that you're actually testing. Um, so we believe we're on the right path down the, that road of providing the almost the perfect tool for this type of monitor. Now, you do need to have another device that this speaks to. So we have two different devices. Okay. We have one that's a plug-and-play that has cellular technology, mm -hmm. which you blow into, and then it's, the cellular signal just sends it wirelessly 
on the spot. So Our, it's sort of got a built-in cellular pretty much, device. Pretty yeah, okay. built-in cell mod- module. Mm-hmm. Our Connect device uses Bluetooth, modern Bluetooth technology. It has an app in the App Store, Google Play, or wherever you get your Android uh, apps from. And you download that. You turn your app on, turn the device on. It instantly pairs, just like earbuds these days. And then you're able to submit your test, and then your phone would send it the results to our secure web portal. And that's where we make all decisions on the facial recognition software, making sure that it's the right identity, and then also sending it to the proper people who are part of that monitoring agreement. Um, and so how accurate is this test versus, you know, one that you might just buy online, you know, go to Amazon, say breathalyzer. Sure. And there's a bunch of things that you could purchase. Um, yeah. But talk about some of the technology and the work that's gone into the reliability factor for this device. Yeah, so we pride ourselves on being FDA cleared. We went through an entire process to make sure that our device was deemed a medical device. Um, That was really important to our company because we want to be a big player in the treatment space. And family law crosses the line a little bit with treatment. We see many times, but we want to make sure that our product is um, the highest of quality. We did a test with um, during that FDA clearance process, and we were able to deem our um, accuracy to 0.005 when it comes to measuring BAC. So from your product standard, you know, you're you're wanting confidence and reliability in your product. That's super important. From the legal standard, um, you know, as a lawyer, whenever I'm using any sort of testing or evaluation or any sort of device, I need it to stand up to scrutiny Mm -hmm. um, in a courtroom setting and be able to convince a judge that they should trust the evidence that I'm bringing them. And if the evidence is results from a device such as this, I really need to make sure that the judge trusted enough to accept either the clean results or the, you know, not so positive results for the case. And so, you know, I know for me, that's a really important factor for, for my arena. You're absolutely right. And I think that that FDA clearance was one of the key things that really led to peer reviewed articles and making sure that we had data that would be admissible in, in court. Going forward, we have some white papers that talked a little bit more about the Daubert Fry standard and mm-hmm. us meeting that with our device. So I think um, we've definitely put the technology in there to be able to be self-administered and still give you the results as an attorney that can be admissible in court. So let's talk a little bit about one of the, I think the facial recognition part is, is kind of a key. We don't want to skip over. So if, no, if no. we've established that it will accurately read BAC and that it has the ability to transmit those results to mm-hmm. somebody else and they can't be tampered with by the person who's taking the test because they're not in control of them. They're being sent off site. Correct. Let's talk about that facial recognition and why that's important. Well, I think it's really important because you want to make sure it's the proper person taking the test. It's not someone's, it's not their sober buddy. And we want to make sure that the technology is true, you know, and we spend a lot of R&D hours and money developing this technology to make sure we have the best technology going forward. I think our facial recognition software is above 90% accurate. Let's just say if you do not get an accurate reading with facial rec because of um, maybe you took a test in a dark room, it will revert to a human review, which is still in real time, which is amazing. 
-hmm. We've gotten it down to where there's such a little pest being reviewed by humans that we're able to now offer that in real time as well. So there's no delay. But that aspect of it really separates us from our competition, if there really is a competitor, just for the fact that now with social media, just imagine what you could do with some of those photos that if it is high conflict, where that might lead. And that's never a mm-hmm. good thing, especially for the kids. Well, and I think the idea that it is making sure that you can't, the, the thing about the um, ankle bracelets was, you know, they were on, you couldn't take them off. Right. So you, you didn't have to worry about it being somebody else's skin. It was measuring. So I think that was one of the things about this being a portable device and it not being in a controlled environment when you were actually doing the test, Mm -hmm. that I think that that's just a great extra thing to make people understand. No, you know, if you fail the facial recognition, it's considered a failed test. And it makes you retest immediately after. Mm -hmm. It will send you a notification saying that uh, the identity has been declined retest immediately. Right. So if it is you and you just took it in poor lighting, you're immediately going to go stand somewhere. Correct. And we can actually see, and it gives warnings about things like light or Mm -hmm. that uh, you're wearing a hat or that you need to take off your glasses so forth. Right. Sunglasses are Mm -hmm. one of the restricted items. That's that's correct. Yes. So, So from my standpoint, where it usually happens with me is I either have a client who's Mm -hmm spouse or the other parent, more accurately, is someone who is at risk of a relapse or has recently relapsed or their period of sobriety is so low as to have a pretty low confidence rating. And so there's children involved and they're concerned about the children being out of their control and care and in the care of the other parent. Or I have the client who is the the person who has the history of alcohol abuse and is perhaps being accused, whether it's realistic or not at that point, of actively drinking again or being a danger to the children. So on one side or the other, we're trying to come up with a solution. And really, regardless of which side I'm on, the way that we have to have it handled is we have to have an in-court order. Mm-hmm. We have to have very strict guidelines about when people are going to test, how they're going to test, whether they're going to test when they have the children, when they're not having the children, you know, kind of what the goal is. Are we just trying to protect the children or are we trying to establish sobriety? You know, which is the difference between just not drinking when your children are with you or literally trying to stay sober regardless of whether the children are in your care. So Soberlinks actually worked with the legal community in coming up with some almost language that it's suggested should go in court orders. Yeah, you know, to speak to uh, the two different ways you're saying that clients would come to you, we've actually developed our programs around that as well. We have a level one program that you can test around parenting time only. Our level two is testing seven days a week. Usually those tests are about um, three tests a day is what our best practices recommends. But we brought some addiction experts from all over the the country to come into one room and talk about our device and how it would best be used. And uh, you can read that online at at soberlink.com if you go to um, our resources and the best practice document under family law. But it talks about the frequency of tests, what should be done there. It also talks about um, random versus scheduled um, testing. And then um, what to do when you get a positive versus a missed test. Mm. You know, there's two different ways that you can react to that. 
but it has guidelines on what to follow. So it's really important that um, I recommend every um, professional, family law professional, whether you're the attorney on the case or a mental health professional that is intervening in the case to read our document and get a good understanding of what has been said by professionals around the country. So when we do these court orders, we mm-hmm. usually are taking in the specifics of a particular family and in coming up with the testing hours and the windows and some, you know, we're trying to work it to make sure that we're individual, but it's very important for everybody to understand what the order requires. But when we get the order and it is then we're in the court system and you guys are not. <laughs> so talk us through what Soberlink does when a court order is, you know, someone is going to be under court order to sign up for your services. So they've got their piece of paper and they've been told within a certain amount of time to go get this device and sign up. What happens on your end? Sure. So there's two different ways that we get orders kind of coming to Soberlink. We do have a form online that a, and a a judge can actually walk through and fill out and then submit that to us. And what that does, it allows us to pre-fill our monitoring agreement before we send it out to the monitor client and concerned party. We always require two signatures on a monitoring agreement before we'll activate a monitor client to go forward with the testing. We want to make sure there's an individual that is responsible for um, looking at the testing that's going forward. Um, The second way is that it's put into a parenting plan and either the concerned party or the monitor client will come to us understanding what's in the parenting plan and we'll sign up accordingly. Sometimes that goes smoothly. Sometimes it does not. We always recommend that if you can get the judge to fill out the order so that we can pre-populate it, it becomes very clean at that point. So I definitely recommend that the order form for the judges gets downloaded and then populated. And then if it's put into a parenting plan, it's even more, I think, concrete at that point. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that you have to do early on with this plan is you have to go ahead and decide who is privy to these results. In other words, who's going to be notified. And that's going to either be in the order if you're doing the form that you're Mm -hmm. talking about, or it needs to be in the parenting plan or whatever is there, or you're leaving it up to the person who's signing up to provide that information to you guys. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, we see about three different people that are the concerned party. Um, Of course, the most popular is the ex in the relationship. Um, Usually it's a custodial parent that is the, um, I guess, the concerned party. But sometimes you'll see a GAL step in Mm -hmm. um, with a case or a mental health professional if it's really high risk and They want to monitor the situation because it's very likely that there will be a relapse in the situation. And then sometimes you're going to have the attorneys because it's still an active case. This is a temporary situation. I always recommend that the attorneys, both parties, be associated with the monitoring agreement. That is extremely important. It gives you instant access to the records. You have access to weekly or monthly advanced reporting where we can see a summary of all the testing results at an easy glance. Mm -hmm. And then by month, you can see all the individual tests that have been taken and they're color-coded. It's very user-friendly, green for compliant, red for non-compliant. And if you're in level two, you'll even see some yellow tests where maybe the client missed, might have been purposefully, but usually it's because uh, 
you know, sometimes they might have left their device at home instead of bringing it with them. Mm-hmm. And once the there's releases that people have to sign, so they're basically having to say, we know these people are being informed. Yes. So when they sign that monitoring agreement, they are consenting that they are going to be informed of all the test results and that they'll have access to them at any time. Um, it's very important that the modern client and the concerned party agree that this is going to be used for their case in front of them, and it states that in our monitoring agreement that they sign. And each person will get their own sort of login for that person. They don't even need to log in. It actually gets sent automatically to them on a weekly basis based on uh, their email. So they'll get an email report on a weekly or monthly basis, and it keeps updating. And then when you download it, you'll just be able to see uh, all the tests that have been taken since the beginning of the program. And in some situations, so the device is sold to the person who's having to test, right? It's not leased. They actually have to purchase the device. And then there is a fee, which, as you said, there's different stages, but then there's a monthly fee. Sure. So we were talking about our two different devices. Um, We have the Bluetooth, which is called the Connect, and then we have the cellular device. So the cellular device is a little more expensive than the um, Bluetooth device just because of the technology that's inside there. But you're starting around a $399, $299 price point. So that's the upfront cost. And then we bill for the monitoring agreement at the end or the beginning of each month for the prior month. And that usually ranges anywhere from $99 to $250, depending on how you want those results received. So we have a basic plus and premium plan. Basic is, I just want the results the next day. I'm not really thinking this is something that is high risk. I just want to know if they're drinking. So I just want to look at the results the next day. Plus, you get real-time emails. So you can set up your emails to alert you of all the testing activity that comes in. And then we have the premium where it's you get emails, you get text messages, and uh, definitely a lot of noise, but you're going to know what's happening with that monitored client for sure. So a little bit here we're talking about, of course, where people might not be doing this voluntarily. I mean, they may be thinking that it's voluntary, but they are not. It may be in a consent order, but they're kind of under duress. <laughs> they're, they're doing it in order to get to a result, which is to be able to see their child. So that's certainly one of the ways to do it. And the compliance may be a little less enthusiastic when their people are under that circumstance. So let's talk about some of the training that you guys do when people are being court ordered to sign up for this they're not necessarily on board with it. So explain how you bring somebody on board so that they can properly use it, learn to handle it so that they, everybody gets the best result possible, the intended results. Sure. No, we have a a team of family law customer service representatives back in Huntington Beach, California, where we're based that they deal with this type of activation process each and every day. And one of the key things in the activation process is to make sure each client clearly understands how to submit a test. And we will walk them through their first test. And that's really important because if you've never blown into a breathalyzer, you have to kind of understand the right pressure of breath and how long. So it's usually about a three to four second breath test. And then you hear a click to the device and then you know you have sufficient breath. That's really important to getting used to using the device. 
but um, they also walk you through the testing protocol, things that you should not do prior to testing. It's really important to make sure that you wait 15 to 20 minutes prior to taking that test. Wash your mouth out, we even recommend just with water, but do not eat, drink, smoke, vape prior to taking the test. Um, we also say in the, in the monitor agreement that keep your device in the protective cover that it comes with. That's important. You know, you want to protect that device and make sure that when you come to use it, that it's coming out of a nice clean environment and that you're taking that test. So we'll walk you through all of that and answer any questions that you may have going forward. So one other thing that I think is important is what happens if somebody is concerned that the device is broken, where somebody goes, I swear I wasn't drinking, that's a false positive. What is your protocol at Soberlink when somebody thinks that their device has failed? Talk about that a little bit. I think it's a great question. We've been around since 2011 and have a lot of experience with this. So in 2019, we launched a new protocol where the first test is always a screening test. If it's compliant, then it's the test and you get a compliant um, alert sent out. But if it is non-compliant, then you will be asked to retest. But a retest is to lock you out for 15 minutes so that it gives you time to rinse your mouth of any alcohol contaminants. Let's say um, you were in a rush in the morning and you rinsed your mouth with Listerine. You've been on a device for four months and never had a, a positive event, but you were just in a hurry that day. That's life, That's, that happens. You rinsed with Listerine, you went and test, because Listerine has alcohol in it and it was in your mouth cavity when you were breathing into the device, it will give you a positive. But we know from research that that alcohol will dissipate out of your mouth cavity in two to three minutes. But we go above and beyond that and say, 15 minute lockout period, you're not allowed to take a test. Our device won't even accept a test in that 15 minutes. It will then text you saying, okay, the device is ready now for you to submit your secondary test. If your secondary test is compliant, we deem that as a compliant event. But if it is still positive, then that is a non-compliant event and gets reported to the people on your monitoring agreement. And then it goes forward and tests you until you test compliant or until you've, text, until you've taken a total of six tests. And that's really designed to help curve any more drinking that's happening at that moment. And the people who are receiving the results can then intervene. And then also, if they continue to test, you should see it going down. That's correct. So the data points can also tell you elimination rates and really... Um, graph something out that looks very similar to that of um, digested alcohol or consumed alcohol, excuse me. And, you know, I've, I've seen it before where like they did, were non-compliant, but then they got locked down. And then in that next retest, it really was zero. So yes. you knew something was going on because oh, yeah. they shouldn't have been able to go from what that non-compliant test was to zero that quickly. And so then again, we had a little bit of an answer. You're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, it does happen. You know, we want to make sure that we're mindful of the things that are in our house that we interact with on a daily basis that have alcohol in it. I would always suggest that if your client is going to be on any type of alcohol monitoring device, not even just soap link, but anything in the market, it eliminate everything 
that has alcohol in it. There's plenty of mouthwashes that don't have mm-hmm. alcohol anymore. Toothpaste. Toothpaste, all, all that, that stuff. So chewing gum. Absolutely. We've talked a little bit, well, we've talked a lot about it, <laughs> about these sort of court situations. But mm-hmm. as, as I pointed out, I've had this experience where the person actually, because they knew they had to test, it was such a level of accountability that they actually found that they thought it was key to their overall sobriety because they were on this device and they they just knew they were going to get caught and it just kept them from ever sliding because they just had such, um, you know, they knew that they weren't going to get away with it. So somebody could do this without a court order. Someone can still come to you and say, I really need to earn back the trust of my parents or I really, um, you know, I'm, I'm tired that every time, you know, I'm, uh, I walk in and, you know, that there's this question in someone's eyes that maybe I've relapsed or, you know, I really want to, I, I can't afford to do expensive outpatient at this time, you know, but I, I really need some help beyond it. You don't have to be involved in the court system to actually employ this project. Absolutely not. You know, I would start at soberlink.com. We actually split our our home screen into two different kind of markets, one for addiction treatment and one for family law. And what you're describing is someone that actually is trying to deal with their AUD or alcohol use disorder and they want to prove and be held accountable. So they go ahead and go into a program that we have titled SHARE. And it's a really unique program where you're able to get as many people associated with your monitoring agreement. And those are the people that are going to help you stay accountable. So the results are sent to them in real time. And I always hear stories about uh, these recovery circle, these people encouraging the monitor client and saying, way to go, you're doing great. And over time, and we always see like, you know, six months, eight months a year, it gets better and better. You know, those triggers that used to happen are now being replaced by compliant testing by the Soberlink device and it's getting communicated to all those friends that maybe they might have lost trust with now gaining that trust back. And that's important. That's that's where we really pride ourselves as a company. That's where we think our, our wheelhouse is in this space is to make sure that we are the continued care arm of the treatment world. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to elevate our product to the next level, continue to design it and innovate and make sure that Soberlink becomes synonymous, not only in family law, but in the treatment section as well. Well, and within family situations, family dynamics, sometimes a marriage is being stressed by the addiction of a child, a minor. Unfortunately, we're finding a real increase in, um, you know, the amount of people under the age of 18 that are having to address this issue and go to rehab and, you know, especially considering they're not supposed to be able to even legally purchase it. It's kind of astounding that we have so many 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds that are facing this, but it's a real stress around the family. And so this is a situation where a family might come together and want to work this way to have, you know, some compliance and some accountability for a minor. And also not everyone that is in a separation situation is necessarily going to involve the court system. You know, depending on where you are, we have people that do things simply by agreement, work with collaborative divorce attorneys or, mm-hmm. you know, share an attorney. And so 
I would hate for people to think that this was just a penal yeah, it's type definitely, of situation. Definitely not designed. It happened to go in that direction sometimes, but yeah, we want it to be a voluntary t- tool. We want you to be mindful that this is something that you want to do for the long term. You're working on your sobriety. We understand that relapse is part of recovery. You know, there might be a slip, but at the end, we know this will help empower you to earn trust back, to get back in society, be productive, and kind of push what was those old demons, push those away. Now, I will say one thing that people will worry about, you know, when you're worried about the, the recovering person, there really are, you guys provide a good bit of support. You're directly sending this device out now. So there's not necessarily a lot of third-party vendors on this device, as I understand it in current time. Yeah, we are a direct-to-client um, resource for family law and for treatment facilities with our SHARE program. We do deal with some treatment facilities where we will sell them the device and they use it to help keep in contact with people who have gone through the program. But definitely on the family law side, it's direct to client. We want to make sure that it's all discreet. We want to make sure that it's a pleasant experience. You're not going down to a, I guess, a facility to get where they put ankle bracelets on criminals' ankles. Mm -hmm. You're not sitting through that and being treated like you've done something extremely wrong. You know, remember, alcohol use disorder is a mental disease. It's not a moral failing. And to treat that individual with respect. And I think we do that by offering that direct client service discreetly. I think even if you don't have the cellular device, if you are outside of cellular range because you're in the mountains or you're on a camping trip, Mm -hmm. please correct me if I'm wrong, because my understanding is that you can still use the device and it stores the results and then it transmits them when you return to a cellular service. So with our cellular device, that is true, Mm -hmm. but the default setting does not allow you to do that. You would have to call into our customer service team and have them activate or enable the storing device, the storing, and then disable it once you came back into an area that was a good cell reception. But yes, it stores up to like 64 tests and uh, you get into cell range, walk down to that store that has a cell range in all 64 tests will then download into our system. And it shows when you took them. It does. It timestamps them and mm-hmm. makes sure that everything is staying consistent so that when it does record on our advanced reporting, it is recorded properly with the right timestamp of each test. And that's one of the things I really like. So if you want to go camping <laughs> or you need to get on an airplane and travel, mm-hmm. you can still actually test on your court-ordered schedule or your agreed-upon schedule and then... You can. You can. So this would work for traveling salespeople, people that are moving around for different. And I, I believe that you can even, you even have an international plan, don't you? Yeah. You know, we, we have now kind of switched it to where our international players, we recommend the connect, which is connecting to Bluetooth, because usually when they're traveling with business, they'll get an international plan. Mm-hmm. So then that connection can then send it to our portal if they're traveling internationally. And what about people who are spending a substantial amount of time internationally? For instance, one parent lives in this country and the other parent lives in another country, Europe or... Yeah, works works exactly the same. So our devices can uh, work in, in most areas. We have clients in just the family law. We have them in the UK, in Australia, many in Canada. So we're really broadening our reach with our product. 
Well, where would we've talked about soberlink.com, but what's the best place for someone to get um, resources about either purchasing a device or, or getting more information about the, the product, um, the FDA testing, if you've made any of this research and substantiating yeah. work that you've done, where can somebody find it if they want to research it further? I definitely would recommend going to soberlink.com and then starting on the family loss section of our website. Once you click into there, you can scroll down, learn about the device, scroll further down and get a article about best practices. A little bit further below that is our pricing so you can understand how much it will cost that we talked about a little bit earlier. And then you can even go further into understanding our programs. You know, what does it mean to be on level one? What does parenting time only mean? That was kind of coined by Soberlink because of our real-time um, monitoring system. Before it was, you know, something like random testing through a lab back in the day, and you had to be um, sober 24 hours prior to um, testing with our new modern approach to alcohol monitoring. It's no longer needed. You can test an hour before that uh, parenting time, and then you can test during and after. So you can read all about the different programs and really be knowledgeable going into it. And then once you're ready to order, in that top navigation, we have a nice little order button that walks you through a decision tree process. So it brings back all those things that you learned during the research period and then re-asks the question so that you make sure you get set up properly. And in terms of the funding, is the person being tested always the person that has to pay for it, or do you guys accept a payment from a related party or interested party? Well, I've seen payments from uh, very, very different different ways. I've seen split payments. I've seen the modern client um, paying for it. I've seen the concerned party pay for it until there's a positive, and then it switches. So I've seen a lot of creative ways that we can set up the billing process and uh, it's been used. So um, it's all dependent on the attorneys kind of deciding what happens with the payments. Well, Chris, we really appreciate you taking time to come talk about this more thoroughly. It's my hope that people who are facing this can learn about all of the different tools available for them to uh, maintain these, these parent-child relationships even while they're struggling with this situation. And I really have had tremendous success with this on both sides of the of the case, to be fair, whether it was trying to make sure my client's child was protected in the care of the other person, or, or like I said, to make sure that my client had a fighting chance to be a parent. So I'm glad you guys are, are in the market and working as hard on it. And we thank you for sharing more information. Well, thank you so much for having me today. This has been a great experience and uh, hope to be asked back. Yes. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so there you have it. Another neighborhood of Splitsville explored. There's still so much to learn here. So I hope you'll tune in to the next episode. While Splitsville is not a fun place to be, thankfully, it is full of helpful people, valuable resources, and sound advice if you know where to look. See you next time. The insights and views presented in Welcome to Splitsville are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. Nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind. If you're ready for compassionate and reliable legal guidance on your journey, contact Lee Sellers and her team at www.touchstonefamilylaw.com.